Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the Qalam Podcast. Isra wal Miraj. Join us as we revisit the miraculous night journey and the impact it had on the Prophet's life and what lessons we can apply to our own. To support community events just like this one, please visit qalamfamily.com. Jazakallah khair for listening. So we were talking about the Prophet Wasallam's journey from Mecca to Jerusalem. And one of the things that we specifically talked about was how the Prophet ﷺ witnessed some of the rewards of the people that did good, but also the Prophet ﷺ witnessed some of the punishments that were afflicted upon people who had committed some of the major sins. And some of the narrations mentioned that when the Prophet ﷺ started the ascension, there were some more of these kind of punishments that were shown to the Prophet ﷺ. And I won't go through all the details, but I did want to mention, highlight some of the things that the Prophet ﷺ specifically witnessed. He specifically witnessed the punishment that was given to Aklatu Amwali Yatama Dhulman. He specifically witnessed the punishment inflicted upon the people who consume the wealth of orphans. Because what a grave crime it is. The Prophet ﷺ specifically witnessed the punishments that were being inflicted upon al-mukhtabun, hal al-mukhtabin, the people who talked about other people behind their backs, committed the crime of backbiting, ghiba. And so once again, it's a very powerful reminder of the fact that many of the indiscretions that we have, many of the shortcomings that we have between us and Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is very forgiving and very merciful. But when it specifically comes to violating the rights of other people, that is an area, that is a domain in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not just blanketly, just automatically forgive people and excuse that behavior. But there will be accountability when it comes to the rights of other people. And that's why we have to be so cautious and careful that we have to learn to never violate, never cross the line when it comes to other people, their rights, their dignity, their honor, their property, let alone their lives. And that's a, there's a very serious warning about that within our religion. So now, the Prophet ﷺ riding the Buraq with Jibreel ﷺ by his side, the Prophet ﷺ in what feels like just moments, he arrives at Baytul Maqdis, Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa, Jerusalem. When the Prophet ﷺ arrived there, Sheikh Mikail was talking about it, but I want to remind all of us, this is at a point in time where the heart of the Prophet ﷺ was very heavy to say the least. His heart was broken. He had lost his wife of over 25 years, the mother of his children, his best friend, the first one to believe in him and support him. His everything, Khadija radiallahu anha. He had lost Abu Talib, the man who raised him. When he had lost his father, his mother, his grandfather. The man who basically became his whole family and raised him and supported him through thick and thin. And then particularly died 
left this world without accepting the message of the Prophet ﷺ. He was heartbroken. Allah had to console him. You can't guide whom you love. Allah guides whomsoever He wills. And then the first time the Prophet ﷺ made this effort to go outside of Mecca and see what the reception would be somewhere else. Forget about there being no reception. They turned on him. They stoned him. For three miles, they threw rocks at him. Until he bled so profusely from his body that the blood soaked into his sandals and dried and glued his sandals to his feet. Think about what he's going through. And at that moment, now <clears throat> try to imagine the most difficult moment of your life. Imagine the most heartbreaking point in your life where it feels like the sun may never rise again. And then, not one or two, but hundreds of thousands of your brothers, your friends, they show up to console you and comfort you, to encourage you. When the Prophet ﷺ arrived at Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa, Jibreel ﷺ takes the Prophet ﷺ, he touches a place in the wall, and this ring emerges from the wall, and he says, tie your, the burak here, this is where the Prophets would tie their animals when they would come to Al-Aqsa. And the masjid that's present in the Aqsa compound till today, known as Masjid al-Buraq, basically commemorates that, that place. The Prophet ﷺ tied the animal there. It's in a corner of the compound. And then when Jibreel ﷺ brought the Prophet ﷺ into the middle of the compound, the Prophet ﷺ was greeted by every single prophet and messenger that ever lived. One narration in the Musnad of Imam Ahmad states there were over a hundred thousand prophets. Another narration mentions over three hundred thousand prophets. All of them were gathered there together. Just try to internalize, try to put yourself in the place of the Prophet ﷺ. How beautiful that must have been. How encouraging and empowering that must have been. All of them came together for me. To be here for me. And then the Prophet ﷺ says, فَحَانَتِ الصَّلَاةُ فَأَمَّمْتُهُمْ The Prophet ﷺ says, Then came the time of the prayer. Like it was time to pray. Jibreel ﷺ said, We will offer a prayer together. And the Prophet ﷺ says, I was made to lead all of them in prayer. To honor the Prophet ﷺ. His own forefather, Ibrahim ﷺ is there. The Prophet about whom the Prophet ﷺ has, you know, so much of the revelation has been talking about him. Musa ﷺ, he's there. The Prophet who walked these same grounds, Isa alayhi salam is there. The Prophet who led prayers there once upon a time, Zakariya alayhi salam, he's there. 
The father of all of humanity, Adam alayhi salam is there. But who leads the prayer? The Prophet does. And after he led all the Prophets in prayer, the narration even beautifully mentions, ثُمَّ الْتَفَتَ فَإِذَا النَّبِيُّونَ أَجْمَعُونَ يُصَلُّونَ مَعَهُ After he got done leading the prayer as is the sunnah, the practice of the Prophet ﷺ, he would turn and face his congregation after he was done leading the prayer. The Prophet ﷺ led the prayer and when he turned and faced the congregation, he again soaked it in and took it in that all the Prophets, every single Prophet throughout time was gathered there praying behind him. After that, Jibreel alayhi salam, he requested the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam that the time has now come for you to ascend into the heavens. And this is the second part of that night, the second part of this story, this narrative, this journey, and that is al-mi'raj, the ascension. So, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam says, ثُمَّ أَخَذَ biyadi." Jibreel alayhi salam held my hand. And then he started to ascend into the sky. Holding my hand, he took me with him. Until we ascended into the heavens, into the sky, and left this worldly realm. And when we got to the gate that is that separates this worldly realm from the unseen realm. There was a gate. And there was a khazin, khazin sama There was a gatekeeper, an angel. And Jibreel says to the gatekeeper, he says, iftah, open the gates. The gatekeeper doing his job, protocol, he says, man anta, who's there? Jibreel he answered, he said, Jibreel, it's Gabriel. He said, Man ma'ak, there's someone with you. Who do you bring with you? And Jibreel alayhi salam says, Muhammadun sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The gatekeeper, this is an angel of God who keeps, who is the gatekeeper of the heavens. He becomes excited. He says, Awaqadu ursila ilayhi. It's time. It's here. Today's the day. And what that tells you is, from the moment this universe was created, from the moment that this world was created, this worldly realm, the moment that that gate was placed there, the moment that angel was assigned there, from that day, they knew that there will come a very special day. And on that very special day, a very special, remarkable person, Muhammad Rasulullah the most beloved of Allah's creation to him, will come and visit here one day. He will pass through this gate one day. And only Allah knows how long ago that was. But from that moment till this night that we are reading about, the angels had awaited that special moment. And so he says, it's time. He says, Naam, it's time. Yes. And the angel opens the gates and he says, Marhaban bihi, welcome, welcome. This is the greatest arrival. You are the greatest guest that we have ever received. And the Prophet says that we crossed into the first stage 
of the heavens. And he said that when we crossed in there, when we arrived there, I met a man. He was sitting. And to the right of him, it was glowing. To the left of him, it seemed like there was darkness, no light. And when he would look to the right where it was glowing, he would smile. When he would look to the left where it was dark and an absence of light, he would cry. And he says that I asked, O oh, Jibreel, who's this man? And he said, this is Adam alayhi salam. And Jibreel alayhi salam told the Prophet sallallahu what the light on his right, what that represents is the people from his progeny, the human beings, the children of Adam, the human beings that will do good and that will be righteous. And that's why when he looks to his right, he smiles. And the darkness, the absence of light on his left, that represents his progeny, the children of Adam who disobeyed and defied Allah. And when he looks there, he cries because of the sadness that his children went astray. Jibreel salam goes and introduces the Prophet salam to Adam salam. Hada abuka Adam. Adam salam greets the Prophet salam. And the Prophet salam responded to his greeting. And then he said, Marhaban bil ibn salih wa nabi salih. Welcome, welcome to my most righteous son and the most righteous prophet. Then Jibreel alayhi salam tells, and then he made dua for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Then Jibreel alayhi salam told the Prophet we have to continue. And they ascended to the second stage of the heavens. And what's interesting is that at every stage of the heavens, the same interaction would take place. There's a gate. There's a gatekeeping angel. Jibreel would go and knock on the gate. The angel would say, who's there? He would say, this is Jibreel. He says, someone's with you. He, said, he would say, yes, it's Muhammad. And the angel would once again become excited. <gasps> it's him. It's time. It's today. And then they would open the gates and they would welcome the Prophet ﷺ with a grand welcome. So when they enter into the second stage of the heavens, the Prophet ﷺ says, There I saw the two cousins, Ibn al Khala, the two cousins, Yahya ﷺ, the son of Zakariya, and Isa ﷺ, the son of Maryam. And the Prophet ﷺ, they said salam to the Prophet ﷺ, and the Prophet ﷺ responded to their salam, and then they welcomed the Prophet ﷺ. Marhaban bil salih wa salih wa They greeted the Prophet ﷺ by saying, "Welcome, welcome to our most righteous brother, and welcome to the most righteous Prophet." And then they made du'a for the Prophet ﷺ. and then the Prophet ﷺ proceeded to the third stage of the heavens. When he arrived there, he says that I met. None other than the Prophet Yusuf alayhi salam. I greeted him, or he greeted me, and I responded to his greeting. And then he welcomed me by again saying, Welcome. 
to my most righteous brother and the most righteous prophet, he made dua for me. And the Prophet ﷺ tells us, he says, فَإِذَا هُوَ قَدْ أُعْطِيَ شَطْرَ الْحُسْنِ The Prophet ﷺ said he was the most striking, captivating human being I've ever seen in my entire life. Half the beauty of the world was contained within that one man. I couldn't take my eyes off of him. He was so remarkable, so captivating. Then they proceed on to the fourth stage of the heavens. There the Prophet ﷺ is greeted by the Prophet Idris ﷺ, whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَرَفَعْنَاهُ مَكَانًا عَلِيًّا we, gave, we elevated him. So he was greeted, he greets the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ responds to his greeting. He welcomes the Prophet ﷺ and makes dua for him. And then from there they continue on to the fifth stage of the heavens. Where once the Prophet ﷺ enters there, he's greeted by Harun And there's a very interesting, there's different reflections that the scholars have shared. Why he was meeting certain prophets at certain stages. He met Adam salam at the beginning because again, Adam salam is the father of all of humanity as kind of the foundation. He met Yahya and Isa salam because they were both persecuted and oppressed by their people. That the Prophet was being given that consolation that some of your own people will turn against you. He was greeted by Yusuf salam. Because Yusuf even dealt with difficulty from within the family. And the Prophet was being told, you will deal with difficulty even from within your own family. He was greeted by Idris that in spite of all of this, Allah will elevate your status. And this one particularly really touches my heart. He was then greeted by Harun Why? Because when Musa was given the one the most was given one of the toughest responsibilities that any human being has ever been given, and that was to go stand in the court of a tyrant, the palace of the tyrant, and speak truth to the face of this tyrant, and to take him on and challenge him, and his entire kingdom. Musa salam said, Oh Allah, I need some help and support. Harun akhi, ushdud bihi azri, wa ashrikhu fi amri. I need some support, give me my brother Harun with me. And, the Prophet ﷺ was given an even tougher responsibility. And that was, All of humanity is your responsibility. And the Prophet ﷺ was provided help and support. Just like Musa ﷺ was provided help and support with Harun ﷺ, the Prophet ﷺ was provided help and support in the form of not one person, but an entire generation of people that we call the Sahaba. Allah was telling the Prophet on that night, you will not be on this mission alone. You will have an entire community of people, men, women, children, elderly, who will fight by your side, who will put their lives on the line for you. They will cry with you, they will laugh with you, they will pray with you. They will never leave your side. Muhammadur Rasulullahi walladheena ma'ahu They will always be with you. And they were loyal to the Prophet until the very end, as we're going to be talking about a little bit later tonight. 
So he meets Harun alayhi salam, he welcomes him and makes dua for him. Then the Prophet ﷺ is taken up to the sixth stage of the heavens where he meets none other than the Prophet Musa alayhi salam. And this is beautiful in and of itself. Why? Because the most frequently talked about Prophet in the entire Quran is Musa alayhi salam. And the Prophet ﷺ is finally meeting in person the same Prophet that he has been reciting all the verses of the Quran about. And he meets with him. And he interacts with him. And the Prophet ﷺ describes him that he was a very strong man. And he describes how he looked, that he had a darker complexion. And he had very curly hair. And he was a very broad-shouldered, strong man. After the Prophet ﷺ departs from the sixth stage of the heavens, the narration actually mentions, Musa salam seems sad. And when the angels asks him that, why are you so sad? And he said, what makes me sad are my people. That I tried so hard. And Allah sent so many miracles and signs. But most of them did not believe. And this little brother of mine that I just met, more people from his followers will enter paradise than from my followers. So I'm sad about the condition and the state of my people. Then the Prophet ﷺ proceeds to the seventh and the final stage of the heavens. And there he is greeted by none other than Khalilullah Ibrahim ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ describes what he sees. He says that there is a Kaaba-like structure on the seventh stage of the heavens. It's called Al-Baytul Ma'mur. Allah swears by it in the Quran, Wal-Baytul Ma'mur. And it's a place where the angels worship. They do tawaf there. And the Prophet ﷺ, there's a verse in the Quran which Allah says, وَمَا يَعْلَمُ جُنُودَ رَبِّكَ إِلَّا هُو No one realizes the scope of the army of God except for him. Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ told us at that place, Baytul Ma'mur, 70,000 angels every single day perform tawaf of Al-Baytul Ma'mur and once an angel has had the opportunity to do tawaf, they never get a second chance. Every day, every day, 70,000 new angels perform tawaf there. We can't even do the math. Right? Ask ChatGPT that question. <laughs> Nonsense. Alright? So, and the Prophet ﷺ describes, he says, Ibrahim ﷺ is sitting, musnidan dhahrahu ilal bayt al-ma'roor. Ibrahim ﷺ is sitting there, he's so captivating. He's sitting there leaning against al bayt al-ma'roor. And he sees the Prophet ﷺ and he smiles at the Prophet ﷺ. And he says, welcome, welcome son. I've been, wel I've been waiting for you. And he asks the Prophet ﷺ to sit down with him. And... The, this was such a special moment for the Prophet ﷺ that he narrates a hadith of Tirmidhi. I got to meet Ibrahim. And he said, Ya Muhammad. He said, listen. Tell your ummah I said salam to them. Ibrahim ﷺ gave us salam. وَأَخْبِرْهُمْ أَنَّ الْجَنَّةَ طَيِّبَةُ التُرْبَةُ and tell them that paradise is extremely fertile soil. Adabatul ma, its water is very sweet. Wa anha qi'an, 
However, its land, it's open, it's an open field. It needs trees planted. And the way that trees are planted in paradise is when your ummah says, Subhanallah. Everyone repeat, Subhanallah. Alhamdulillah. La ilaha illallah. Allahu Akbar. That when your ummah says these beautiful words of praise and glorification of Allah that plants trees in paradise. After this, the Prophet ﷺ departs from there. And Jibreel ﷺ takes the Prophet ﷺ to get a preview and a glimpse of paradise. The Prophet ﷺ says, فِيهَا حَبَائِ الْمِسْكُ I saw that there were mounds of pearls. And I saw that there the, the, the dirt of paradise was musk. I saw, like the Quran mentions, that there are rivers and streams flowing in paradise of clean water, of milk that never goes bad, of wine that is not evil and intoxicating, and of pure honey. That I saw that there were palaces in paradise. A brick of gold on top of a brick of silver and the cement in between was musk. I saw that there were palaces in paradise that were so huge that they had 70,000 rooms and the whole palace was carved out of a singular pearl. And then finally the Prophet ﷺ in the hadith found in Bukhari he mentions what Allah said, إِنَّ اللَّهَ قَدَ أَعَدَّ لِعِبَادِهِ الصَّالِحِينَ مَا لَا عَيْنٌ رَأَتْ وَلَا أُذُنٌ سَمِعَتْ وَلَا خَطَرَ عَلَىٰ قَلْبِ بَشَرٍ That Allah has prepared for His beloved slaves, His righteous servants in paradise, that which no eye has ever seen, no ear has ever heard, and no mind or heart can comprehend It's how remarkable it is. Then the Prophet ﷺ was shown the fountain of Al-Kawthar, which أَتَيْتُ عَلَىٰ نَهْرٍ حَفَّتَاهُ قِبَابُ اللُّؤْلُؤِ مُجَوَّفًا That I came upon a stream, a fountain, and the fountain was surrounded by all these gems. And the Prophet ﷺ was told, هَذَا الْكَوْثَرَ الَّذِي أَعْطَاكَهُ اللَّهِ This is the fountain of Kawthar that Allah gave you as a gift and you will serve water from this fountain to your followers. And then, while the Prophet ﷺ is being given this tour of paradise, the Prophet ﷺ says that when I was in paradise, سَمِعَتُ فِي جَانِبِهَا وَجِسًا the Prophet ﷺ said that he heard some kind of sound, like footsteps. Like if somebody's walking kind of maybe above you, you can hear the person walking. This is paradise. Not your apartment. Why can I hear somebody stomping around? And he said, Jibreel, what's this? And Jibreel ﷺ said, Hada Bilalun al This is Bilal. That when he walks on the earth, his footsteps echo in the heavens. And the Prophet said, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ بِلَالَ قَدْ أَفْلَحَ بِلَالَ Bilal is successful. Bilal is successful. That is real success. 
We worry about what our status is in this dunya. This man's footsteps echo in paradise. That's status. And the Prophet ﷺ even asked Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu in the hadith of Bukhari and Muslim, Ya Bilal, haddithni bi arja amalin amaltahu indaka fil islami manfa'atan fa inni sami'atu laylata khashfana alayka bayna yaday fil jannah. So what deed is it that you do that I hear your footsteps echoing in paradise? And Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu said that every single time whether it be night or day, like during the daytime, if I lose my wudu, or in the nighttime, if I wake up, I immediately make wudu. And every single time I make wudu, I make sure even if it's not time for one of the obligatory prayers, I just pray two rakahs to Allah. That's the one deed that I have, Ya Rasulullah. So once again, the moral of the story comes back to the prayer comes back to the salah, comes back to our connection to Allah, comes back to our relationship with Allah. It's so powerful. It's so powerful. Finally, the Prophet ﷺ takes the Prophet ﷺ to a point. And when he takes him there, then Jibreel ﷺ stops, and the Prophet ﷺ keeps walking, and he turns around and he says, Jibreel, come on. Right? He's been with him this whole night on this journey. So he says, Why are you stopping? Let's go. And Jibreel tells the Prophet, no. This is where I stop and you continue on from. That this is the place of Sidratul Muntaha. Sidra refers to a tree. Muntaha refers to the limit. There's a tree marking that place where it is the limit of where creation can go, even Jibreel. And he said that you are the only creation of Allah to ever be invited past this and you are to go. The Prophet ﷺ says that he went forward under the shade of the tree and he was, it was inspired within his heart by Allah to fall into sujood. He went into sajda and the tree wrapped around him and closed him. And once that tree enclosed him and separated him from all the realm of creation, the Prophet ﷺ says that he was then in the presence of Allah. And there he had a conversation with Allah. And what's really interesting is that there are some things that come out of that conversation that we're going to touch on here. But the Qur'an, the way it talks about it, it really again just strikes me. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَكَانَ قَابَ قَوْسَيْنِ أَوْ أَدَنَا ثُمَّ دَنَا فَتَدَلَّى فَكَانَ قَابَ قَوْسَيْنِ أَوْ أَدَنَا He went near to Allah and then Allah says, he, Allah drew him even closer. And until the distance between the Prophet ﷺ and Allah was the distance of two bows, like a bow and arrow. And that's kind of an expression in the Arabic language. When you want to say two things are very close, you say the distance between them is qawsain. The distance of two bows, like two feet. O adana. Or Allah says, or maybe he was closer. Basically, Allah is saying, none of your beeswax. <laughs> right? This is an A and B conversation. See yourself out. Right? Allah is saying that this is the time when Allah spoke to His Habib sallallahu alayhi wa 
And again, this has been mentioned previously. I read the verses in the prayer, that at the time when our hearts are broken, at the time when we feel broken, that is when we experience nearness to Allah. The time when the Prophet ﷺ, according to worldly descriptions, how we would describe it, he lost everything. He achieved nearness to Allah unlike anything anyone has ever experienced before or after. And it was at the moment when he was hurting the most. And it's very important for us to remember that we cannot let despair overtake us and overcome us in moments of difficulty and adversity. But that's the time when we want to connect with Allah. Because that's the time when we'll taste the sweetness of our faith. And he had a conversation with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there are two things. There are many, many things. There's a narration that mentions Surah Al-Fatiha was specifically given to the Prophet there again. The last concluding verses of Surah Al-Baqarah were given to him there again. But there are two, there are many, many gifts, but there are two things very specifically I wanted to mention. Number one, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told the Prophet ﷺ, I will give you a gift for your ummah. And what is the gift? Because Allah, the Prophet ﷺ was there praying for us. So Allah said, I will give your ummah a gift. What is the gift? Okay. Follow closely. Whenever anyone from your followers, a Muslim, makes the intention to do a good deed, I will tell the angels to write down a good deed for that person. And I have promised that every deed shall be multiplied ten times. Then if the person actually follows through with doing the good deed that they intended to do, I will command the angels to write another good deed for the person. And every good deed is multiplied ten times. But when... The person makes the intention to commit a sin. I will tell the angels not to write down a sin. And if the person goes through with committing the sin, then the angels are instructed to only write one sin. And that will not be multiplied. And if the person repents immediately, it will be wiped out. But if the person makes the intention to commit a sin and then does not commit the sin, I will command the angels to write down a good deed because resisting temptation is a good deed. And every good deed is multiplied ten times. That is my gift, Allah said. And the second gift that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to the Prophet for us is that you're Ummah will pray Salah, the prayer, 50 times a day. The Prophet ﷺ, he thanked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for these gifts, praised and glorified Allah. Then he says that the tree opened up, the Prophet ﷺ was in sujood, he got up from sujood, Jibreel ﷺ was waiting for him, he went to Jibreel, and they began the journey back.
They passed through the seventh heaven, saying salam to Ibrahim salam. They made it down to the sixth stage of the heavens, where once again they met Musa alayhi salam. And Musa alayhi salam, when they said salam, Musa alayhi salam stopped the Prophet and he said, what'd you get? So he says, I got 50 prayers in a day. Musa alayhi salam said, that's too much. He goes, I know people. And he said that they're not going to be able to do this. You need to go back and have it decreased. The Prophet said, okay. This also tells you, it's important to listen to counsel and advice from people that have more experience than you. Who does the Prophet need advice from? Nobody. But he recognizes the fact that my big brother, he's got more experience than I do. So the Prophet goes back to the place, to the tree. He falls down in sujood again. And is talking to Allah again. And he says, Ya Allah, khaffif an ummati. Please lighten the burden upon my ummah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I have removed five prayers, 45 prayers in a day. The Prophet praises and glorifies Allah. He begins to come back. Once again, when he reaches the sixth stage of the heavens, Musa alayhi salam says, alright, what's the update? And he says, 45 prayers now. He goes, that's too much. You have to go back. The Prophet goes back, falls in sujood again, talks to Allah, says, Ya Allah, please make the load lighter for my ummah. He says, I have removed five prayers, 40 prayers. He comes back. Musa says, what's the update? He says, 40 prayers. He goes, that's too much. You have to go back. He goes back, talks to Allah again. Says, oh Allah, make it lighter for my ummah. Says, what's the, so Allah says, 35 prayers now. He comes back. Musa alayhi salam says, what's the update? 35 prayers. He says, it's still too much. The Prophet goes back. He prays again. He talks to Allah again. He says, please lighten the burden for my ummah. He says, okay, 30 prayers in a day. The Prophet comes back. He meets Musa alayhi salam. Musa alayhi salam says, what's the update? He says, 30 prayers. He says, it's too much. You have to go back. He goes back to Allah. Talks to Allah. Lighten the burden on my ummah. He says 25 prayers in a day. The Prophet is returning, stops at Musa alayhi salam. Musa alayhi salam says, what's the update? He says 25 prayers. He says that that's still too much. Go back. He goes back, talks to Allah again. Oh Allah, please lighten the burden for my ummah. He says now it's 20 prayers in a day. He comes returning back. Musa alayhi salam says, what's the update? He says 20 prayers. He says that's still too much. You have to go back again. He goes back, talks to Allah. Says, oh Allah, please make things easier for my ummah. He says 15 prayers in a day. He's returning back. Musa alayhi stops him. What's the update? He says 15 prayers. He goes, it's too much. You have to go back. For your ummah's sake, go back. He goes and talks to Allah again. He says, oh Allah, please make it easier for my ummah. He says 10 prayers in a day. The Prophet is returning back. Musa alayhi says, what's the update? He says 10 prayers. He says, that's too much. You have to go back. Think of your people. The Prophet goes back. Falls in sujood, prays to Allah, talks to Allah. Says, please, O oh Allah, lighten the burden on my ummah. Have mercy on them. Allah says five prayers in a day. Whoever will pray five will get the reward of 50. The Prophet ﷺ is returning back. Passes through the seventh stage of the heavens. Gives salam to Ibrahim ﷺ. Goes to the sixth stage of the heavens. Says salam to Musa ﷺ. Musa ﷺ says, what's the update? He says five prayers in a day. He says it's too much. My ummah only had to pray twice a day and they had trouble with that. 
go back. And he says, no, I'm not going back again. That's enough. Now, I wanted to point out something. I went through and mentioned from 50 to 45 to 40 to 35 to 30 to 25 to 20 to 15 to 10 to 5. Somebody was probably thinking you could just say he kept going back until it got down to 5. Because you got tired of hearing five prayers at a time decreasing, but the Prophet did not get tired of going back and asking on our behalf. He went back again and again and again. Think about it. Wouldn't you feel shy and embarrassed to go back to somebody repeatedly to keep asking for favors? But he wasn't shy. First of all, why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is most kind and generous. We never, this is a demonstration of what our relationship with Allah needs to be like. Go to Allah all the time, every time, anytime, every single time, go to Allah. Allah will never tire of you asking Him. He will never tire of giving to you. It's us who get distracted or get bored. Because we're silly little creatures. But Allah never gets tired. Number two, think about how much the Prophet ﷺ loved us. That he went back on our behalf over and over and over and over and over. How much he loved us. How much he cared about us. And so this prayer of the, this gift of the five prayers was given at that time. And the Prophet ﷺ then returns back, passes through all the stages of the heavens, and Jibreel ﷺ escorts the Prophet ﷺ all the way to Jerusalem, from where the Prophet ﷺ boards the Buraq once again, and Jibreel ﷺ accompanies the Prophet ﷺ all the way back to Al-Masjid Al-Haram in Mecca. And all of this transpires within the night. And then the Prophet ﷺ, he goes home to check on Fatima. And there's just this energy about him. He's just beaming and glowing. That Umhani notices it. And she says, What's something something's happened? And she's a believer. And he says, Yes, something's happened. And he tells her. And then he says, I have to go and tell everyone about it. And she, for a moment, just out of concern for the Prophet she says, no, no, don't go tell everybody. Because there are some bad people out there that are going to try to exploit the situation and make, try to make a mockery of you. But the Prophet says, no, I have to tell everyone. And that's the journey of al-Isra wal-Mi'raj. The journey by night from Mecca to Jerusalem and then the ascension above the heavens and the return back. From here... What we're going to talk about going forward is when the Prophet ﷺ returned back and basically told the story, then what that moment and what that interaction was like. Also, uh, I forgot to mention, when the Prophet ﷺ was returning back, he saw some things on the way that ultimately ended up being a proof and an evidence. For instance, the Prophet ﷺ saw that there was a caravan that they had been waiting in Mecca for a while that was returning back. And the Prophet ﷺ told them that this caravan is almost back and it will be back today. And some kind of delay happened and they weren't able to get back. They, they for a while looked like they weren't going to make it back that day. And if nighttime came, they were just going to have to camp out outside of Mecca. So the narration mentions that Allah ﷻ delayed the setting of the sun 
To the point where the people in Mecca started kind of freaking out a little bit like, why won't this day end? Right? So until those people could arrive back. The Prophet ﷺ on the way, he saw that there was a caravan that was coming back, a group of people, and they were stopped somewhere. Why? Because they were all searching for a camel that they had lost. And the Prophet ﷺ saw that the camel was, you know, in the next valley over. And when they arrived back, when the Prophet ﷺ got back and then that caravan returned back, the Prophet ﷺ said, you guys lost your camel, didn't you? Like, yeah, how'd you know? He said, I saw it. And you found it in the next valley over, right? They're like, oh my God, how's he doing this? And the Prophet ﷺ said, because I saw that you found it over there. So there was these proofs and evidences as well.